video podcast that keeps you in the mix of everything real estate. I'm Noel Fryson with the Center for Real Estate Education, and of course we have our power panel. So we have Adam Sperber, who is a resident real estate expert, residential. We have Omar Sharif, who is our flipping and investing guru, also the VP of Alexander Anderson Capital Group. We have my personal guru, Eric Anderson, who is the CEO of Alexander Anderson Real Estate Group. And we have a special guest. Yay! My, my money guru. And favorite. <laughs> my money guru. Chris Stern, who is with um, who is with Edward Jones. So we're going to hop right into this. What is Edward Jones? It's a financial brokerage, yeah, financial brokerage. Money, certified financial planner. Yeah, what does Edward, Edward Jones represent? Money, what investments, else? stocks, stocks, finance, comprehensive wealth management. So, so today we're going to be talking about whether you should invest in real estate or should you invest in stocks. You want to retire rich. That's the name of the game. Retire rich. Which of these two things is going to help you to retire rich? So basically stocks versus real estate. That's the topic for today. So since Chris is our guest, why don't you start with, with why stocks are better than real estate? 100% easy. First of all, I didn't know this was going to be a five, four on one, five on That's one. It's actually like one. Which is good. So oh I my God. Up. I forgot. We have Nima from, okay. from Miami. Say hi, Nima. So I don't, I don't think anybody can see me though. They, they can. can. They can. Oh, okay. Well, hey, how are you guys? Nemo over here from Miami because I chose real estate instead of stocks. So Nima's joining us from Miami because he chose real estate instead of stocks. Chris, I think you're going to be outnumbered today, but that's all right. I, I can handle it. So, so let's just jump in. Oh, is Nima, you done? No, he's done. Go. All right, good. Good to see everybody. So first of all, just a quick introduction. Christopher Stern, certified financial planner with Edward Jones, and I provide people with financial peace of mind. All right. Uh, investing in stocks is the biggest component to generating wealth. Historically, returns are proven to show that the stock market outperforms real estate all the time. Using uh, the Zillow Index, uh, ZHVI, Zillow Housing Index, forget what the V stands for. Average returns over a 21-year time period, cumulative returns. Housing prices have increased by 152%, where the S&P has returned 242%, NASDAQ 297%, Dow Jones Industrial Average 237%. Yes, I came dressed for the part. I got my facts and figures. So let's take it over to you. <laughs> oh my Real estate. I, my, my average returns are 500% uh, week over week. I don't need to dress in a suit, and we're all good. Omar. Um, hey, guys. So can I, can, I, can I chime in here on some of your I guess so. Go for it. All right. So Carl Pearson once said, statistics is the grammar of science. It's up as far as you can go. And there's a couple other funny quotes on statistics because we all know that these are manipulated and they don't really make sense. And leave it to stop guys when we do statistics. So when we talk about averages, if I take the average of four numbers, one, two, three, four, I get 10, right? What's the average, guys? Right? You just take four divided by 10. Now, if I take a thousand different things and take the average of that, it fluctuates and changes. So 
you have to ask yourselves, what numbers are being presented to you? The numbers you just got from the Zillow index is the increase in home value, which includes residential value. You have to ask your financial advisor, like, hey, does that include rental incomes? Does that include the actual average rate of return for flippers? Or did you just take the aggregate average of increase in real estate prices over the last 30 years and compare it to stocks, which are compounded and traded? So you have to always compare apples to apples. Don't just look at statistics because they don't make sense if you're not comparing the same things. Thank you. Omar, what do you think? I think um, real estate, hands down, because stocks don't give cash flow and what and the ones that do as far as dividends go are like two two to three percent. They don't they won't allow you to retire until you're like eighty years old. So Nemo, I love I love your phraseology because you're right, it was residential home value, so it is a gauge, and we're gonna get into all the disadvantages and advantages that stocks and real estate prices have versus one another. Okay, so listen. I'm sorry? I think the listeners would love this. Could you compare to us the direct analogy? Because you'd be the best person to do this. Talk dividends versus returns. So dividends on stocks versus returns on rental income. So Nima just wanted him, just in case you couldn't hear Nima all the way from Miami, thousands of miles away. Nima wants you to compare dividends uh, on stocks versus returns on real estate. No, perfect segue, and that's what I was just going to respond to Omar's uh, suggestion. First of all, dividends go as high as 10, 11, 12%. Okay, and we're just talking stocks. You throw the bonds in there too. You have coupon payments that are also paying tax-free, whether they're muni bonds or corporate bonds, they could be as high as 5, 6, 7%. So those are coupon payments slash dividends. Think of them essentially as your cash flow and your investment. If you had a rental property and you had your renters paying, uh, quite frankly, I don't know what the um, cash flow or the dividend yield could possibly be on on real estate returns. But again, we're also you're not taking into account with those returns. Very easy to manage a stock. Throw it into an account, depending upon the account, which I can't wait to get into all the different tax advantages. I got, I got fifty grand right now on the table for you. I will invest in you immediately. You got a stock for me. He said he has 50 grand on the table. If you have a stock that's going to give him how much? 10 to 11 percent? 10 to 12 percent. Ooh, he's taking out his folder. This should be in your head. It should. You know, how, how many stocks are there in the universe? There are probably as many rental properties as there are on the house. All right. Uh, Wait, 10 to 12 percent. Yeah, I like this. $50,000. While, while Chris is thinking, Adam. AT&T, 9.4 percent. That's on 10. Oh, 10? Not, not its rate of return annual. I, I, I understood the question. Dividend yield. We're, we're, we're good. Guys, he understood the assignment. Isn't that what the young people say? All right. Out of our focus list, right? That, oh, 10.9. BHP Group PLC ADR. 50 grand. Pay up. Where's the check? And we could probably leave and finish this conversation right now. <laughs> Actually, that I have as well. Would you like the wire instructions now? So, okay, 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 okay. So, I'm going to back this up for our viewers. I'm going to back this up. And one, I have to say, are my stocks in that BH thing? No, no, no because no. it's diversification. You have a mutual fund that has exposure to them. that company be in the business? Is and what kind of risk is there with that company? Exactly. We lost Nima. Oh well. Uh, you know what? He's, he's going to wire me the money right now. That's where he is. He went to the bank. <laughs> so, but from but, a risk perspective, though, so so you know, back to you, we were talking at the beginning. You know, um, real estate versus stocks, and you know, obviously, I'm 
I'm a, you know, I love real estate. I love residential real estate. And I like the investment side of it, but I also have, I have money in both aspects, right? I own my house. I own things like that. But As you should. Diversification should. is As the word I was going to use. Yes. Thank so, you. You know, I don't think, and, and you guys might disagree with me a little bit on this, but I always think that, you know, having diversification is always good. Having a little bit of everything. I wouldn't put all my money in the stock market, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put all my money in, in, uh, in the housing market either. I lost everyone there. So that's kind of my take on it. But, but so, so talk about the risk with, uh, what is it, BHP? So, so what kind of risk, like, you know, like Eric said, like how long have they been in business? We're vetting, we're vetting this stock before you put your money in. Go. All right. So a couple of things, Adam, thank you. Because seriously, I came in hot and heavy right now. I, I preach diversification. I am a certified financial planner, all right, that employs a comprehensive, holistic wealth management approach. I get the opportunity to speak every two weeks to these classes, correct? So yeah, but this yeah. goes out to everyone in the world. That, that's, that's, it depends on what happened today. Yeah, well, you know, I'll be invited back. I'm pretty sure of that. But honestly, I advocate both because each one of them have pros and cons. Yes, I'm a stock and bond guy for reasons that we're going to outline today. But I see tremendous, tremendous value in investing in real estate. And again, so I appreciate you alluding to that. If you want to speak specifically uh, to, I'm not an analyst. BHP, though, it's on our focus list. Our company, we follow 50 major stocks and we update those stocks every month. Those stocks are vetted using a management, uh, a stable management product, competitive advantages within the, his, uh, within the industry that they operate, as well as longstanding increasing dividend payments. Those are just three of like the five or seven criteria that the nerds, okay, at home office in Edward Jones used to vet a stock. So as far as the risk, there's risk in any investment you take, whether it be real estate, whether it be crypto, whether it be individual stocks, putting all your eggs in one basket is is a fool's errand. It really is. Everything has pluses or minus. So you asked, is your all of your money in one stock? No, no. I didn't say all of my money. Oh, is, yeah. So you do have exposure to this through mutual funds because you have to diversify accordingly. You know, we want to talk about inflation right now. Inflation is rearing its ugly head, 7.5% CPI index today. So you want to be in value stocks as opposed to growth stocks, where prior to about six months ago, you wanted to be in growth stocks for the last 12 okay, years. Okay, my head is exploding. You asked me down the list, so let's get okay. You know. Let's 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 back, let's talk about real estate a little. Perfect. Okay. Let's give me the pros of investing in real estate. My my real well, estate. So really, people. really, let's let's talk about that stock for one more second. <laughs> what what happens? What happens when? Hold on, I'm speaking over in Florida, vacationing. Um, what happens when that board of that stock when when somebody does something bad? And then the stock tanks. What, help, what happens when one of the accountants, I guess he didn't like it. What happens when one of the accountants does something bad and Sorry. then the stock tanks? What happens when the world changes and the stock tanks? With real estate, you can actually touch it. You can feel it. You can rub it. You control can fix it. it. You, you can control, control it. it. You're the boss. You're in charge. You don't have to go through someone like Chris who happens to be amazing, but he's relying on what other people are telling him. Like he just said, the nerds in back office. What if those nerds are... Not that high that week, and they make the wrong decision. Like we know, and now now it's illegal, or no, it's legal now in New Jersey. So I guess that's okay. But just, what if something is wrong? I don't like that. I want control. I want to know what I'm touching. I want to be able to manipulate it myself. I don't want the risk that Chris wants you to have. Now, so there's also, you know, when it comes to real estate, there's also different methods that you can actually pull your investment out, your original investment out. So you can buy something, 
essentially fix it up, re-rent it, refinance it, and pull your money out. So now that same, let's say $100,000 can be invested over and over and over again. If done successfully, you have limited risk because now you don't have your own capital invested in this particular property. So to yes and yes. First of all, I don't want any of you to have risk. That's my job to mitigate risk for all my clients. That's first of all. So I want to correct what you just said. Second, you just, <laughs> you spoke yourself into a risk, pulling money out and refinancing. Good luck. Because the one thing that you always said, yes. Mr. Anderson, that resonated with me, we were sitting in, um, with the sangria, bono, uh, no chase. Okay. And you said, you know, if I have to finance That's my sangria. kids education or what, I'll just pull money out of my buildings. Good luck doing that in a rising interest rate environment. I could have put your money into a 529, have that money compound at 8% average annually, come out tax-free. You're going to pull money out of your successful buildings, and you're going to be hit with a potential 5 6 7% interest rate, depending on where the environment is. And you're in that today. Risk. Which is tax-deductible. Up to 750k. That's fine, but... It all depends. The more real estate you own, the more opportunities you have to have tax deductible experiences, um, you still have control. It, does Chris have a point where if your interest rate's higher? Yes, it's a does. risk. But it's, a risk. it's also a risk that that stock could disappear. So even if it's in that plan, 100%. it could be gone. What and you do you mean the no, stock could be gone. Well, they could go out of business. Yeah. Stock could make no money. Enron. Okay. So Chris. How about Madoff? GE. GE. Yeah. When did you ever see a building disappear? Uh, I mean, the, yeah, the land yeah. stays. But. Yeah. Um, so I think for most people who invest in stocks, the idea is, let's say I'm 25 years old. Sure. I have 50,000 I'll save and yep. I put into the stock market. Yeah. My idea of that is that maybe in 30 years, it'll be worth six figures. And I just write it out. I don't have any control over it. And I don't receive any income for those 30 years. And it's kind of like a long-term pursuit that I wait and I wait and I wait, but so, yes, you, if you want, you could take the income. Take Guys, for those of you who watch this, this well, is I not a cell phone. He has a uh, calculator out. Well, because I want, to put I want to put numbers to what he's saying. 50K, right? Yeah. Okay. Compounded. I'll be conservative. 7% annually over 30 years. It's $380,000. Okay. Now, yes, you could, you could take that 10% dividend in. That erodes your compounding. So that 380 gets decreased significantly. Right. So you would get income if you wanted to. And I'm not disputing the fact that you're right. You put a real estate investment, you have a tenant that's paying off your mortgage and probably earning you some cash flow as well. So I don't disagree at all. Right. I think it's just two ways to achieve okay. potential. Now, again, I love the tax benefits of real estate. Love to. 10, uh, 1031s, love section 121, love makers, depreciation, right? Uh, 27.5 uh, yearly deduction. What are all these things? These so, are, I'm going to let the real estate guys talk about it. So what's the 1031, guys? Ten, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're, 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 all right, so 1031 is when you sell ideally an income-producing property that has significant equity in it. And instead of paying capital gains taxes, you buy something else that's in like kind. Okay. So you get to exchange a property. So yeah. it's literally you're exchanging one piece of real estate for another. It allows you to take advantage of, let's say, a high sales opportunity. It also allows you to take advantage for, for growth through leveraging. So let's say you have a property that you paid 500 for 
It's now worth a million. You could sell it for that million. You now can go out and buy three properties for the cash that you just got without paying any taxes, all zero taxes. It's super, super exciting. I've personally done two of them. And As you it's should. amazing. That's the advantage of real estate. It's not amazing. denying it. You can't do that with stocks. What's your time limit on it? So, is there some hair? Little hair. It all depends on what you're doing. You have 45 days to identify up to three properties, and then you have the balance of six months to close on them. However, if you're selling something, remember, whoever owns the, the, the property is in charge of the gold. When you're selling something, you can say, hey, Mr. Buyer, I need to make sure that my contract with you allows me to find those three properties. So there's ways to mitigate what Chris is alluding to as like huge issues dealing with the 1031 exchange. So actually, I was actually not alluding to huge issues. I was just saying there's significant advantages to dealing in real estate. So what's um, section 121? No idea. Okay. Oh wait, Omar, do you know? I don't. I don't know. Okay. Adam, you actually do know. I'm just being technical. Is that from the penal code? It, it's the 250k uh, reduction uh, of capital uh, raise, half a first single person. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, sure. tell you guys are talking. Tell our audience what you were. So, saying. so for your primary residence, uh, you buy your house, you own it with your your spouse, your significant other. Um, you're allowed up to five hundred thousand dollars in. You don't have to pay taxes on the first five hundred thousand dollars in capital okay. gains. So, so if you buy for 500, you sell it for a million, as long as you live there, I think there's a certain set amount of time there you is. live there. Yes. Uh, as long as you years. live there, is it three. two years? Three. three years. As long as you live there for that certain amount of time, you don't have to pay the capital gains. So now you sell it for a million. If you sell it for a million and one, you pay taxes on that dollar. Okay. As long as you're a married couple. If you're single, it's $250,000 okay. an individual. Okay. Does that include domestic partners? Yes. Yeah, there you go. But so let's talk about 1031 exchanges, right? Because Omar, you brought up a good point on taking your money or cash flow. Yeah. 1031 is great to defer taxes. How is that supporting your retirement? You buy a building for 200K, flip it 10 years later for a million dollars. You got a gain of 800K. To avoid the taxes on that 800K, your investment property, you identify a property over six months, you throw that million into another value. Where'd your cash flow come from to support your retirement? I so, so find, find monthly income depending on what it was, right. but same thing with the stock on a dividend. You know, how is that going to support you? Tell me yeah. how it's going to support your retirement. Sure. Either one of these so, so, so as far as 1031 exchange goes, to start with, it's kind of a higher level transaction to begin with. It's not open to everybody. I, I haven't done a 1031 yet. So, okay. so it is open to you. But it, but it is. You just have a Right, because to get to that level where... It, it makes sense to do a 1031. It's not It's not an everyday transaction for... for it's a way to defer gains. It would be similar to yeah. uh, an IRA account right. or... Yes. So so if you're in it and you're able to do a 1031, the whole goal would be to buy more property that has existing cash flow. Okay. So you trade a small building for a bigger building, but you still maintain... That building should still produce cash flow. So the cash flow then would be your retirement... Or multiple buildings because yeah. now you're increasing your cash flow. Okay, and those buildings don't go away. Typically, rents don't go down. Obviously, just like with a stock, you have to know what you're buying, okay? Mm -hmm. And you should try to pick and look for areas with growth or, or look for uh, a more stable scenario. But real estate doesn't disappear, you know, unless you're on the beach and the tsunami comes in and washes it away. A stock could disappear. So great. Uh, Go ahead. So great. You got your retirement income plan generating cash flow. You're being hit in ordinary income. Say you're just making for easy math. You're making $5,000 off that building a month. Yeah. You're being taxed at ordinary income. Yeah. But you have depreciation, which helps offset the all ca that. The cash flow. Yeah. 
You're not, uh, you don't have depreciation, so you don't so get that offsets, offsets offsets your income. Absolutely. Does it offset it to a tax-free investment? It could, depending on how many buildings you have. All right, how about this? How about you put your money into a Roth account, the gain of $330,000 that I told you, yep. all invested into a Roth account over time, and you don't pay taxes on that. How does that fund your retirement? I think we're talking about two different types of investments. Yes, right? and there you go. We yeah. certainly are. You're right. You're right. So I think the stock advantages option. and disadvantages. Yeah. However, the Roth account, the Roth account, when you take the money out, the Roth account goes down, and in theory, you could outlive your Roth account. Real estate is there forever, and the buildings just keep on generating money every day, and it goes to the next person, and it goes to the next person. The Roth account eventually will just. Go away. It's a cash um, fund. No, uh, right? I'm, no, I'm sorry. That's that's a totally disagree on that. Let's go, <laughs> come on, you're going to tell me no real estate investment in the history of the world, great financial crisis. Look at all the uh, the exorbitant high leverage loans that basically tanked the Midwest, the Southwest, and everything. All those real estate investments they kept on appreciating. Come it depends on. on the deal. So you have to educate yourself and know what you're buying. Yeah, and yeah. As Omar said, you know. Not everyone's applicable, but they are. But you just you have to know what what makes sense. And as long as you educate yourself there, just like you would educate yourself in the stock market, you then you know what to buy. But so I just want to go back. So real estate always invest a hundred percent of the time. Always. Now I had on. I can send you the Zillow file that I did, so we can see the ebb and flow of the real estate. You can get down and dirty. You can take your but, jacket off. So we could. I should have took it off. I'm not sweating yet. But that's that's just all wrong. It's erroneous. It's a false statement. That's like me saying the stock market has never went down. It has, but over time, it's been a positive line. I'll defer to you to agree with that. Real estate ebbs and flows like any other. So, so it does. But let's assume that you have a cash flow producing property. Okay. The market can go up. It can go down. Your property still producing cash as long as your tenants are paying. So you could have a dividend paying here. Muni bonds. Muni bonds. But they pay like two percent, don't they? So they. Good. So you're throwing out all of these terms okay. that our audience may not know. Oh, muni bonds? I was going to... Okay. I, you're going to do muni bonds? Okay, go ahead. I teach for two weeks to this class. Okay, go muni bonds. Do you want to explain things? Well, you, do, you do, you do, you do. Municipal bonds are essentially a debt obligation to a municipality um, or a government. Okay? Mm -hmm. Essentially, you're giving them money to finance a project, Hackensack, to build lower Hackensack over here. Uh, it's an IOU for a certain period of time. While they hold your money to finance that project, they send you what's called a coupon payment. All right. Yes, currently they've been as low as two, three, maybe four percent. But if you go back to when interest rates are high and they're going to start going high, yeah. they could be as high as seven, eight, nine percent. And P.S. That's tax free. What's a that's coupon for... payment? That seems a little cheesy. Like I'm getting one of those values. Guys, what's a coupon payment? Can a municipality go bankrupt? Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Detroit was bankrupt not too long ago. That's no, I, that was a rhetorical yeah. question. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's why so bonds are rated. That oh, well, you do your research, just okay. like you said, okay. with the markets that you're going to invest in. Have okay. you ever seen a piece of land? And you do. Very yeah. rarely. But the value of that land has went up and went down. Yeah. It, it, it is. So, Omar, to, to continue addressing your question, municipal bonds coupon, it goes back to like, the 1900s when you, you clip a coupon because everything was sent in the mail mm -hmm. and like your statement was clipped and you clipped that check and you went to the bank and cashed the check. Okay, so it's an IOU. Yeah, essentially. It's a dividend payment that they're sending. But all that is tax-free. 
and it could be triple tax free, free from municipality, free from state, free from federal. So even though you're meager to 4%, if you do the after-tax math on that, that's upwards just through the inverse of whatever tax bracket you're in. So right. that's paying you money. That's paying you coupons as well. If you're Ross Perot, Ross Perot was worth how many billions of dollars? He never paid taxes. Why? Because his billions of dollars were in all muni bonds generating him tax-free income. But couldn't all of your millions of dollars be in real estate and you still not pay any taxes? I, yeah. I'm not. A, and don't I'm you have to be a certain age to get access to that? That's tax right. Access. Income? Let's talk about access. This is that's sure. a very good point. So Ross Perot, how old is he? Like 89 now. So now of course he has access. Alive. But when he was 40, did he have access to that tax-free income? No. How old talking, do you have to be no, to no, access? No, no, you're wrong. I'm asking. Tell a me. muni bond is an investment. As long as you're the age of majority, 18 years old, so you're. Free. You're thinking of the retirement accounts, Roth 59 and a half. That's what that's not in an account. Unibond, you don't put in a tax deferred account. Why? Because there's tax savings inherently built into a muni bond. So well, as long as you're age of majority, 18 years old, 21 years old, depending on whatever state you're in, you could have a muni bond portfolio. What you were referring to is accounts, and we can get into that later but you know as far as access well, no but okay let's most people think of when we're thinking of we're saving for retirement right we're thinking of these retirement accounts right and when can you access those retirement accounts without being hit with amazing penalties and taxes and the stuff rule like that. that everybody knows is 59 and a half and we're thinking tax deferred accounts for think your 401ks 403bs 457s or 55 if you leave work and separate from service you can do what's called an in-service re- uh, withdrawal however i'm a certified financial planner so when you want to retire early Come see me, we'll talk about your real estate portfolio as well as your investment portfolio, and we'll discuss 72T. 72T is equal periodic substantial payments over time where you could retire earlier than 59 and a half and not pay any taxes on it. You're essentially annuitizing your retirement account. So yes, the rule that everybody knows is 59 and a half, but there are ways around it. Okay, so you do not necessarily have to be 59, but you have to plan for that. You do, thank you, just like you have to plan. For real estate. But your income could still control. drop because as you're withdrawing that money, your, your pool income is going down, is, right? Is no, not with the rate. No, not with the rate of return. Not with the rate of. Well, the rate of return changes with rental income. Not on, when, not on average. What have you ever seen an apartment go down? Right. Uh, March do not go down. March 2020, when everybody uh, fled the city to come suburban, did did rental rates drop significantly, just like the market did at 40 percent? For a period of time, yes or no? But that is such a how for many a pandemics are we going to have? How many pandemics are we going to have in a lifetime? Ho- hopefully two, right. one, <laughs> and this was it. <laughs> hopefully one, this was it. But guys, we were alive. We were alive. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully one in our lifetime, and hopefully we're yes. done. But we're saying there you go. So real real estate. There you go. We're saying the same thing. We're, over, we're just we're trying to that. say that real estate has no risk to it. It does, and I'm not saying stocks are the end all be all. I am not. But let's look at where the pros are in stocks. There's cons in re- real estate, and definitely vice versa. So which one? Just said, so so in a, on a short term basis, which one's better? You think when it comes to a high inflation environment like we're in right now, like seven and a half percent was just announced this morning. I know. So so where does that leave? If you have a fifty thousand dollars and you're going to put it into the stock market for the next two years, what do you? What does inflation do to the stock market? In general, I'm not going to. Yeah, look no, no. Um, it's. <laughs> It's well, a loaded I mean, question. 
No, it's Walter. You're 100 percent right. You're 100. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. Um, because because so Zillow just you're right. Zillow, you, you mentioned Zillow before, and I'm not. I, I want to say I'm diversification. I'm that. But Zillow just announced uh, within the last week or so that they anticipate housing prices to go up 16 percent this year. Well, they went up 18 percent last year. Yeah, yeah you're so 16 percent this year. Now I know that's not. Gonna yeah, happen. I don't think the market's going to do that this year. Yeah, didn't the market go down? Um, um, so you're right. I, we're looking sub double digit returns, but again, and you know me well. If you're looking for your money in two years, probably ain't putting your money in the stock market. I, I'm not, depending on what the goal is. And now that's the CFP coming in. Bachman. April, but we have right. April. April, April wants to know. April wants to know what are the tax advantages of real estate versus the tax advantages of stocks. Um, should the CFP answer this? Is it because you got ten. I'm not a CFP, but so, I can I can tell you that when you're ten. ready, when you're ready to. Get your real estate license next month. We can certainly help you with that. But anyway, tell us. <laughs> real estate has, what, what, has are the, what are the different tax advantages? April, we, we, we kind of uh, quite fastly went over this a little bit before in our friendly debate. But real estate has 1031 exchanges, okay. which I think Eric uh, defined perfectly for. Okay. Uh, depreciation expenses, which is huge. That's the maker's term that, that I um, alluded to. And then we have the section 121 for primary residences. Where, so what does the depreciation... So, Makers mean? It means you can basically increase your cost basis by as much as uh, maintenance, um, maintenance. So I don't have the exact yeah. numbers because I have a really good accountant. And what I would advise yeah. to everyone is just like you have a really good financial planner, you know, because real estate is not for everyone. Some people just can't handle the logistics of it. And for those people, then yes, stocks are better. But for the rest of us, um, I just get a great accountant and there's, so if you have a building that's worth a million dollars, you can appreciate that. I think it's like 27 years or 29 years, 27.5, 27.5 years. And what that does is you're taking a percentage of that and that's like an expense off of whatever your income is. So it just literally cuts, um, income off your, off cuts taxable income off you. So that's why you have people like our famous Donald Trump or other people who have yeah. all these big properties, uh -huh. all that depreciation. Plus, if they're fixing these properties, they get the losses uh, from either from it not being rented or things that they have to repair. Mm -hmm. All of those things come in and they offset that $10 million that that person may have made. And that's how they get out with a zero tax. So totally legal. So that's how Warren Buffett pays less taxes than his secretary. Uh, Warren Buffett's a big stock in Bond, but, but yeah. he okay, can't stock real someone, estate too. Let's be serious. Someone yes, in real estate would pay less taxes 100%, than someone who does. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's the big three, right, for real estate guys? I think, right? Yeah. So for stocks, I mean, there's a couple of things. Let me make this easy. So we have tax deferred accounts, April. If you invest, and that's what Eric, I think, was alluding to with the muni bonds about the certain age when to touch it, there's accounts that you can set up. Think your workplace retirement plan. 401k, 403bs, or the traditional IRA. Both are the same different IRS codes for the same type of account. These are called tax deferred accounts. What that means is they help present April while helping future April. If you contribute to these accounts, whether it's $6,000 or $20,000, 500, it reduces your present taxable income. So you pay less in taxes now while that money grows tax deferred. Yes, you're going to pay taxes on it. Ordinary income, when you pull it out, the idea is when you're retiring, you're not in as high as a tax bracket as you are. That's one advantage. Then we got the almighty Roth. We love a Roth account. Roth account does not help present April. You fund that money with after-tax money. But like I, the example I use with Omar, 
all the growth in that account, $50,000 over 30 years to $380,000, that growth of $330,000 comes out tax-free. You don't pay a dime on it. Then you have taxable accounts, okay, where you're taxed at qualified capital gains and or losses. So for every buy and sell you do, if you sell it again, no, there's no 1031 exchange here. If you want to realize your gain, you're going to pay reduced rates on it, anywhere from 0%, 15% to 20%. You can also take the losses similar to depreciation. Nobody really wants to sell their stock for a loss, right? But it can deduct against your ordinary income and carry forward as well. Then there's the muni bonds that I mentioned, which is tax-free. Do you, do you ever think that they're going to start taxing unrealized yes. gains? Because they always talk about that. I listen, which would kill the advantage of, of having. Oh yeah, then all yeah. my strategies. This may be a very different conversation next year, but they're looking at going after the Roth as well. But we're not going to surmise in that. Um, I think there's too many, and there's too many rich people out there. I think that utilize the Roth accounts. They're not, uh, and they're all in Washington. So what I'm hearing, <laughs> and I just want to, I just want to bring it down. What I'm hearing is that real estate is a lot more simple when it comes to actualizing your tax gains, where, where all of these accounts, these, you, you really have to strategize and you really have to yeah, diversification. Yeah. Figure yeah, it out. yeah. Real estate, you don't need any type of accounts. You just need a good CPA, which is one thing Eric and I agree on. Um, you know, you need, you need multiple accounts to help mitigate your tax strategy in the future. So we have David. And David wants to know about investing real estate in IRAs. Ooh. Yeah, that's... Um, How do you do that? What like is a, it? Like a REIT. Like, uh, David, like a REIT or buying a house in a self-directed IRA? Just go I think he means a REIT. Yeah, uh, okay. A self-directed IRA is a, is a great... Oh, what's a self-directed IRA? Because they could use that money to yeah. explosive, so maybe yes. So let's go with that. Uh, I'll go with both. Uh, oh, um, David? David. David, uh, you want to buy a REIT? That's an investment, by the way, and it's sold on the stock market and exchange. It just happens to be an investment in real estate investment trust. So you could, if you have, if you don't have the capital, the leverage and buy, you could buy a REIT. And they have pretty good returns and very good dividends. You put them in an IRA, you enjoy all the tax advantages of it. There's no capital gains and or losses when you buy and sell. And all your money is tax deferred, but there are age restrictions on when you can pull that money out. 59 okay. and a half for the 72 take. A self-directed IRA, um, it's extremely complicated, but to really simplify it, a self-directed IRA means you have control over your IRA, so you're not associated with a brokerage or an investment firm. You need a custodian, right? Because it's... This is no longer your money. A custodian is kind of in charge, making sure you abide by. So, it's a custodian, someone like you, Edward Jones. Okay. Edward Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, but essentially, what you do, self-directed, you can buy alternative investments. Things, think, think uh, investments other than stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. Think real estate. You could buy a house, a physical house, a building in an IRA. But here's the catch. There's no leverage in a self-directed IRA. Right. So if you want to buy one of his buildings, what are you building going for right now? $10 million. Yeah. <laughs> for $10 million, you better have $10 million in your IRA. Actually, you better have $20 million because when the market ebbs and flows and costs increase and, and vacancies hit your cash-producing properties, 
That's another way, by the way, your cash flow goes down. Um, you're going to need money within that self-directed IRA to cover those costs. So, and uh, it, it's... Or you just make sure that you don't spend all that money that you're getting. So then you you built in a vacancy, build in a vacancy factor. But so. to that point, to in a self-directed IRA, you have to buy the property outright in full cash. So if you're, but you yeah. can invest in something. So you don't have to buy the whole property by yourself. Yeah. Right. So like. Omar, I know you, you've yeah. worked with some of this stuff. Oh, like, oh, 50-50, use 5 million. Sure, sure. So, sure so I've had um, investors who have 401k money after they leave their employment. Yeah. They could self-direct, they could put that 401k money into a self-directed IRA. They can. And yes. then lend someone like me money, which I give them a profit share in return through that self-directed IRA. Hmm. Oh. Lend, how do they lend you the money? Just a promissory note. So just like you mentioned. Check. Oh, like that's the collateral. Yeah. So just as you mentioned, um, the custodian account holds the self-directed IRA. There you go. I have an agreement with the custodian account where they'll lend me a hundred thousand at ten percent a year. Perfect. And that's just a promissory note. But whatever money they make goes back into their self-directed IRA account. They can't cash it out. So it's there are. So that is for their. Yeah, that's for their. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Just another option. Mm -hmm. So okay, let's. This has been a little bit more contentious than usual. I love it. I love it. I love how you guys are are giving everyone what you need on all sides of the coin real estate what do you need to do to in, in, invest in real estate for your retirement specifically what should people be looking at what should they be doing should they you don't be, need to do anything different but it's no, just but investing what they whether you're old or young it's just getting the right properties that but are you are investing like as a, as a partner like with him or you are could, you doing you could i i believe more in being more in control of it I don't really like the read concept because it's just again, even though it, right, it 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 um it doesn't give you the same type of control limited, but a read could go out of business just like a stock could. It's yeah. all the same, you still have to worry about all the people involved and all those things. If you do it more isolated where it's you or you and a partner or um, something more localized, you still have the ability to, to touch, to fix, to tweak, to do whatever you need to do. You don't have that with the stocks. Yeah, I think um, in terms of comparing the two, I'm, I'm all for stocks as well. I just to make that clear. I'm not just real estate. Um, but the difference that we're not discussing. So maybe, I'm not a, not, maybe I'm not outnumbered here today. I appreciate that. Thank you. Let me explain what I mean, though. Um, the investments in stock, you park your money and it grows. In real estate, it's active investing. So and have, growing. And, yeah, and growing. So you have to find the rental property. You have to know your numbers. You have to actively be involved in it. Stocks, you can hand it to someone. Like Chris and and sit back and let it grow, but they're two very or different investors. Or let it go for two very different <laughs> investors. Yes, two yes. very different investors. So people who have a full time job and don't have time to go out and find rentals and deal with tenants, yeah, stock market is great. But in my opinion, if you had to choose one between the two in order to build wealth, hands down, real estate. So you know that song uh, from Frozen, "Let It Go, Let It Go." That's, that's, it's what that's the three of you are all humming to yourself. Let it go. Okay. Adam, where are you on this? I, I'm still, you know, I, I, I'm still, I'm still kind <laughs> of. He's still on section one twenty one. I'm still, you know, on on both sides of things, right? You know, I, I still, I, I, you don't want like, um, like, well, I think you said it, Chris. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? That's the main thing with any type of investment. So don't put all your money into real estate. Don't put all your money into stocks. Don't put all your money into one stock. 
put it into you know diversification of stocks, put it into mutual funds, put it into bonds, whatever it might be. So residential real estate, commercial real estate. Exactly. You know, don't put all your money into just residential. Get residential. Get a mixed use. Get commercial. Get you know a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I think that's the best way to 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 really save long term. Because if you put all your money into one thing and something happens to that one thing, you put it all into one stock or you put it all into just the stock market. The stock market tanks. You're out. But the same thing could, ha could happen with the housing market. Over time, yes, they both generally go up, but you never know what could happen tomorrow. That's why you base your rental, your real estate investments on your cash flow. Yes. The cash flow stays stable. Okay? And the stock's going like this, and the yeah. dividend's going like this, and all but that you, stuff going like this. But you account for vacancies, capitalization rates, and all <coughs> that, and that's how you determine, and that's how you value. Yes, but then you come up with, is this a good is investment. my stable Rome. And it stays. It, it averages out to positive cash flow. But the concern that I would have with stocks being too heavy in stocks is if I'm in my retirement year and the economy is in a recession, my stocks just took a 40, 50% hit. Which is why you change your portfolio allocation as you get closer to your time horizon to protect what you work so hard. Explain what okay. the time horizon is. Time. I remember yeah, us talking about this. Cool. Yes, I yeah. remember us talking about this. What's time, time horizon. What, what three things you need to know before you invest in anything, whether it be real estate, stocks, bonds, anything. First, what's your goal for this amount of money? What's the time horizon associated with that goal? Are you saving for a house down payment a year from now? Or are you saving uh, for retirement five years from now, or maybe more like 25, 30 years from Tomorrow. now, right? <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that. So, um, and then first, what's your comfort? You are older. Listen. Anyway. <laughs> so, so anyway, so those three things help determine a portfolio objective. Time horizon is how long. The, the start of my goal for retirement is probably like 65, 70. I don't, you know, when I'm going to need to pull on that money. Well, five years. <laughs> that's 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 thirty years from now, um, officially. That's thirty years from now. So that's the time horizon. I can afford to be very aggressive because the average time cycle of the stock market is ten years. That means over time, ten years, you do get a positive return. What happens in those ten years could be like a roller coaster, space mountain. But you know, different from what happens if when I turn sixty-five and then the stock market tanks right at that moment, and then I can't do anything. Because by the time you turn 65, right now, you're in, Omar, you said it, over uh, heavily allocated in stocks and only a little in bonds. Bonds tend to be very conservative. They're the buffer. Uh -huh. By the time we get you to 65, we're going to start switching that allocation. You're going to have less, less exposure to stocks, not as much as 80%, maybe think 60-40, 50-50, which is why you always maintain some sort of exposure to stocks so this way you don't run the risk of depleting your money. So as you we get older, so as we get older. But when the stocks go down and that return goes down, then you are depleting your money. So if you live to like 120, you're going to have nothing left. And what are you going to give to your kids? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When you live to how old? 120. Okay. He's going to say this average lifespan. No, no. <laughs> we, we, we run the scenarios through 95. Okay. I, I'm through glad 95. that you I'm, I'm glad. Through 95, we like to buy the system runs it through 90. I actually read an article not too long ago that says that um, scientists determined that the longest the person would be able to live, like just your body, if it was kept in perfect shape, would be 150. But that's if something like medical-wise went great. But that would be the longest that a body, like the components of your body, could actually But that's why last. They're, they're genetically building new pieces, so you can get... Well, you'd have to have a whole, like everything would have to be there. Well, there is that okay. bulletproof guy 
that has that diet out, he's claiming that he's trying to lift to 150. Right, that's, I think it had to do with that, but just... But so you should sorry, talk to him to make sure he has the right... <laughs> just the 120. Okay. Can we talk about inflation? Because I know that's been on the news a lot. I know that they said that steak just went up $2 a pound. I saw that on, on morning news. Um, that cars, most people are paying like, 10% yeah, 10% over on a brand new car. So inflation is going wild. What does that have to do with our retirement? What does that have to do with our real estate? What What is inflation doing to us? I mean, listen, everybody's very spoiled. The last 20 plus years, we've been in extreme, we've been in no inflationary environment. Historically, on average, inflation, the price of goods rises by 3% every year. And yes, I use averages because that's what life is. Life is averages, whether it's real estate or stock investing. So every three years, that means the cost of goods is going to double every 21.5 years, right? Right now, we're up and against the pandemic, supply chain con constraints um, emerging from this pandemic. Price of goods is higher. It's not going to sustain at the 7%. But you think again, it's going to go down? Eventually. I'm not going to get into the macroeconomics. It's not going to stay. We're not going to go back this is before all of us, uh, at least on this panel, 1970s inflationary, 10%, 12%, all those high things, uh, high interest rate environments. But that's why you invest in anything, stocks or real estate, something that's you can't sit in cash, I guess is where I'm going. So hmm. it, it, it's a risk, but this is why you invest. And this is why you don't hoard cash because cash okay. doesn't grow. Investments grow. So no matter what, if you are in inflation, you're saying that you must invest whether it's in stocks yes. or real estate yes you should invest yeah, but even more so nobody must do anything should yes he was not here for a disclaimer yes <laughs> you should invest insert disclaimer here right <laughs> we'll put it across the bottom you should invest especially when you're in a high inflation time you should you invest must. in real estate absolutely well said <laughs> but historically though going back to that, yeah i was asking earlier historically how does the stock market historically perform in a high inflation environment? Take it back to the 70s or something like that where we had 10, 12%. Yeah. I know, like you said, we were always at 2, 3% in my lifetime. Yeah. But now we're at 7.5%, and, and it could go even higher. It just went up. I mean, it was what, 7%? Yeah. They're estimating now it's 7.5%. Yeah. Um, so, what, what do you see as the stock market? What do you see in terms of those types of investments? Historically, inflation is not a threat to the overall stock market. Returns are going to be muted this year for sure. There's no doubt about it. But again, we've been spoiled with above average returns too, double digits, 20 plus, 25, right? We're looking more sub, uh, you know, maybe eight, nine, 10%. Earnings, it's earnings. It's all about earnings. And as long as the Fed doesn't move too quickly and really spook the market, a lot of these inflationary pressures, the rising of the 10 yield, uh, 10 year, the, F the Fed increasing interest rates, they're already baked into the price. Yeah, right? but let's talk about that. They've already announced that they're going to be increasing the rate, what, half a dozen times throughout the next, you know, the rest of the year, something along wow. those lines. Is it is only four? Okay. I heard six times. It's still a lot, isn't it's, it? It's still a lot. Yeah. yeah but, but guys, a lot from zero is, think about it, we're it's at zero and low. they're only doing quarter it's still, it's still low. So we're at 1%, right? right? What, does it, what does that do though to, I mean, I know like, you know, a lot of tech stocks, when the interest rates go up, tech stocks tend to go down, the NASDAQ, right? Correct. So a diversified bucket, uh, proper portfolio, you want to be more exposed to value stocks, things stocks that pay those dividends that aren't in the growth sector like technology. That's why technology is getting hammered. But, you know, just like everything else, when things get hammered, it's an opportunity. Do we really think Amazon Alphabet is going to go out of business? 
No, right? But guess what? I bought it at a discount for 15% off two weeks ago. So it's just having that proper diversification. You couldn't have bought real estate at a discount 15, two, two weeks ago. No, so. you could not have. So on that note, <laughs> we are going to get ready to wrap this up. I want to hear everyone's final thoughts on this topic. Let me go first. Yeah, I was so, going to say the best for last, but uh, go ahead. Right. No. Which is why I'm going to go last. <laughs> I'm going to let Chris go last, but before we do that. Okay. okay. I happen to know Chris. He's a great guy. He he knows his stuff more than I do when it comes to stocks because I have no concept about stocks. I think it's um, way too complicated for me, uh, way too risky for me. Although my grandfather, that's all he did was invest in stocks and he made millions and millions of dollars. I so far at the age of uh, 49 have surpassed what he made through real estate, but it's all good. But um, I think Chris is great, but I think real estate is the way to go. So. Right. Who wants to go next? Omar. I think um, they're two different investments for two different goals. But overall, if I had to choose, I would stick with real estate to build wealth for financial freedom and to retire younger, hopefully in my 40s instead of uh, 60 something. And I'm, I'm still, you know, I still think both are good aspects. But, you know, you're right. Uh, I think, Omar, you mentioned it earlier. You work at a full time job. You don't have time to sit there and you know look for investments. You don't have time to worry about renters and worry about a boiler going out or something like that, then a lot of times it's better to hand it to somebody that's just going to do all the work for you and they're going to handle your portfolio and do everything. But I still think having a mix of both, like anything, having a mix of both is the best way to go because then you're, you're, uh, you know, betting against both aspects of it and you have, you know, you're going to have good and bad years for both. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it all depends to the amount of capital that you have to get started with. I, I my conviction, because I know it, because I live in it and I work in it, it's stocks and bonds, but I can't wait to start building my port stock, uh, real estate portfolio as well. You can help do yeah. But I do have to source the experts, find trusted advisors, do your research, and um, diversify, diversify, diversify. Stocks, bonds, value, growth, muni bonds, corporate bonds, residential, commercial, real estate, diversify. Both will help you achieve your wealth. And accomplish your goals. Invest. Don't sit on cash. Real estate, real estate, real estate. So, <laughs> thank you guys for being with us. First, I want to remind you to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe so you can get an alert. Hit that button. And also, give us comments, please. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to hear about. What did you think about Chris? Um, and what did you think about stocks versus real estate? Which one are you going to do? So next week we will be back and we're going to be talking about inflation and the rising int uh, interest rates on real estate. Um, Which is the best thing to, to own. And don't forget, if you visualize it, you can own it. If you visualize it, you can own it. Yeah. Good job, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.